When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello, and welcome to Awesome Etiquette, where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we take your etiquette questions about primetime predicaments, commenting on other people's food, Christmas parties with co-workers, or not, the meaning of no-box gifts, and how to handle missing a marriage announcement by eight years. Plus, your most excellent feedback, etiquette salute, and a postscript segment on regifting and thank you notes. Coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be produced in Burlington, Vermont by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post Senning. And are you really Lizzie Post? <laughs> no, I'm losing my voice. It's like dropped an octave. <laughs> Isn't there a movie with little Dalmatian puppies? <laughs> <laughs> Cruella DeVille. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking of. Oh, goodness. I had fun. I had fun this past week. I went to New York City. We caught up with you just after you had come back from New York City, and I was literally leaving on a flight right after the show. We saw each other for two hours across this table talking into these microphones. Exactly. Um, But I went to New York City to do something really, really fun. I got to go to Rico and Brendan's book launch for Brunch as Hell. (laughs) And how are our two favorite Dinner Party Download hosts? First of all, it is the second time I have ever gotten to be in person with the two of them, and it is such a delight. It is so much fun. Um, The last time we were in New York City together, I actually asked the question, so how did you guys like start your podcast and then get a radio show? And like four months later, we got the call from Hans and, and it was off to the races with Awesome Etiquette. This time, uh, we were, I was down there to celebrate their book launch. Uh, they have a new book, Brunch is Hell is the title, and they are on a crusade to get people to throw more dinner parties and fewer brunches. And it's hysterical. And those of you who've listened to the show for a while remember us reading in a postscript segment, Emily Post's take on the word brunch. <laughs> she was not a fan, not a fan at all. Well, makes her very quotable. It did. When it comes time to talk about uh, ending the brunch. <laughs> yes. And Brendan actually said that he reads that quote at many of the talks that they do for for this book launch. But it was really fun at this really cute bookstore in Brooklyn called uh, Books Are Magic. And I, unfortunately, due to some travel delay, wound up showing up a little bit late. But it was great. I got to post. I know, it was so embarrassing. But I showed up, and there the boys are down at the front, and they've got a whole audience in front of them. And then there was kind of this 
wall with some windows in it. And so I kind of snuck in next to a, a gal who was standing at one of the windows and poked my head through. And it was really, really funny because they were taking questions from the audience. And she decides to lean in and ask an etiquette question. Yes. And I and that's when Brendan and Rico looked up and saw me next to her and I waved and they like cracked up that she was next and her name was Hannah. Um, she's actually a fan of Awesome Etiquette too. So it was really great to meet her. And the crowd was really into it. You could tell they were big fans of the show. They knew the show. They knew specific episodes and specific guests. And it was really fun to see our friends be celebrated by their fans. Like, that's a really exciting thing. They're um, so funny. They're so smart. And they, they've they got are. a good nature to oh the gosh. way they interact and engage. I, I was so glad that you were able to go down and support them and, and celebrate, them. really. Rico talked about politics at the dinner table and in such a great way. He talked about, like, don't be afraid to have the conversation, but don't just just like we talked about, don't expect it to change anything. Be able to walk away from it. And it was just I wish I had been videoing it because it was such a good like it was such a good segment, basically. Another funny thing happened at this book launch. So uh, I was standing in line to get my book signed. And I Thank you for my signed yes, copy. I bought Dan and my host signed copies as well as one for myself. I love signed books. Support your authors. Um But I was standing in line and this gal turns around and she walks up to me and she says, are you Lizzie Post from Awesome Etiquette? And I said, yes. And she says, I'm Nina. And I went, oh, my goodness, Nina. And I gave her this huge hug because Dan and I, for a little while, we had a substitute producer while Hans was away doing a few other shows um, named Nina. And Nina went on to work on Dinner Party Download. So I thought Nina was there supporting the guys. And it turned out this wasn't Nina, our producer. And I had totally just like hug bombed a total stranger fan of Awesome etiquette she was so sweet about it when i realized my mistake i said oh my gosh and here i just totally like forced a hug upon you and totally inappropriate for me to have forced a hug on nina too but like it's this hugging is like a thing like and i totally screwed it up she was so gracious about it she said no i just thought you were really really friendly and i was like okay phew at least i'm putting out vibes of friendly not creepy with my like hug attacks holiday hug attacks oh my gosh it was i was embarrassed but she she made me feel at ease i was very grateful so nina thank you so much for supporting the show and for handling one of my hug bombs (laughs) we've certainly heard about a lot of people finding this show thanks to the dinner party download so uh, um, I've, I'll confess, I'm a little jealous. It must have been fun to be in that nexus <laughs> so where those worlds collide. Yeah, no, it really was. And and the fans are exactly like you would imagine. They are smart and fun and gracious to talk to. Um, it was really cool hearing their questions for the guys from the audience. I mean, really cool. Well, we'll add our voices to the chorus. Yes. More dinner parties. We yes. love them. Although, <laughs> from someone who loves Eggs Benedict as much as anything <laughs> in the world, your mother makes the best hollandaise I've ever had. Oh, I right up there and I get it on the asparagus and it's a good thing and <laughs> totally but anyway loving ex benedict I, I I must confess that I actually kind of don't mind the brunch <laughs> <laughs> Well, we are going to get the boys on the show so that we can uh, talk about their book and also just have a moment where they are they are finally over here in awesome etiquette world. So we will get a chance for you to talk with them about your love of brunch and what we can salvage from brunch while still promoting dinner parties. I look forward to it. I look forward to it, too. And I bet our listeners are looking forward to us answering some questions. I, I sure hope, hope so. so. Jeez Louise. <laughs> well, let's get to it. Okay. 
She's Louise. She's Louise. I want them to hear that I'm working on the swearing. Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions on how to behave. And if you have a question for us, you can email it to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Leave us a voicemail at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Or hit us up on Twitter and Facebook. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette so we know you want your question on the show. Awesome Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, Mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? (laughs) StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. (laughs) After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. Story worth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Our first question today is about a primetime predicament. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I absolutely love your show. I just can't get enough of all your helpful etiquette tips. I need your help with a predicament I have found myself in around TV and a good friend. I'm especially hoping there's a sample script to come. (laughs) I have a friend who is constantly giving me recommendations of what TV shows I should watch. As of late, he's been particularly persistent about me watching one particular show. I currently watch a fair amount of TV, as well as have some older shows I'm making my way back through via streaming services. I don't really have the time right now to add on yet another show. I also watched the first episode of this show's particular season, and I just didn't feel a want to watch more. In fact, I'm not sure I'm ever going to watch. What is the best way to decline a friend's viewing recommendation? Is there a way to follow up if you don't connect with a recommendation once given? Also, navigating this has me wondering about how I'm offering my own recommendations. I don't want to be that friend either. How can I best share my own ideas of what friends should watch without being pushy? Thanks in advance for your help navigating this etiquette dilemma. Etiquette for today, indeed. (laughs) I have this problem, too. There are so many choices. (laughs) There are. And it's so funny because you and your friend can both love one particular show 
and or even like a number of shows. And it's really easy to just assume that, of course, they'd love all the different shows that you watch. That you and I have shows that like we analyze to death together and we have shows that you would think we would both love and we absolutely don't. And we might both love them and it might just not be possible. Exactly. Exactly. I say that when it's something that you're just not ready to entertain, but you haven't seen it and and don't know that you don't like it yet, I would definitely use the language of, oh, thanks so much. When I'm ready for something new, I'll definitely give that a try. Again, you're going with the positive non-committals here. We haven't talked about positive non-committal responses in a while, but these are exactly as they sound, positive responses that don't actually commit you to any act or <laughs> watching of said shows or liking of said shows. <laughs> I, I always like the truth. Yes. I mean, it, it, it doesn't need to be terribly complicated. I like that idea of staying positive about it. Mm-hmm. I even took a shot at some sample scripts here. Dan, let's hear. How about, I tried it. I don't really think it's for me. I, I think that's fine. What is unreasonable about that? Or yeah. how about, I'm backed up on a bunch of shows that I'm really into right now and I'm just not finding I have time for anything new. But thanks for the recommendation. <laughs> I love it. No, I think those both work. Like, oh, man, I've got a long list that I'm trying to work my way through. That's just these types of things let people know that we have so much great content out there in the entertainment world to absorb and consume. It's completely reasonable for you to not entertain every suggestion that comes your way. I liked an idea that I saw you put in the show notes, which was something just affirming for the person who's made the effort to share. Oh, totally. Give them this one. I wouldn't have thought you would have liked that show. I'm so interested to hear that you like it. Or or, or anything that shows like, some curiosity about their interest, some appreciation of the fact that they were sharing with you to begin with. I love that. I also I like the idea of going for the support. Like, I'm glad you love it so much. Like, that's awesome. And you can either leave it at that or say, you know, I haven't been able to get into it yet. I've tried a couple of times and this one just isn't hitting the mark for me. It can be positive without being a put down, but it could still be honest. Okay, can I dork out just a little bit? Geek out, cuz. Okay, this question got me thinking about how nice it is to enjoy something with someone. Yes. That it is one of the great pleasures in life to have friends and family who like the things that you like and to be able to talk about it with them. I recently heard about a podcast group that get together and share podcasts they like with each other. And I can think about Love it. the the podcasts that I listen to that I wish I could talk about. And I try to recommend them to people and they... You talk to me about them. I have yet to listen, but I love hearing about them from you. Pucha too. She's so patient. <laughs> I, I, I am this person just a little bit. And it's because I find them so interesting and I want this engagement and... It's a part of my relationship with my mother that I like a lot. Yes. She loves books yes. and movies, and it's it's a way to connect with other people and and um, have that relationship be about shared interests, which is a really nice way to interact and relate. You can't always do it. You can't always convince someone that that philosophy podcast that you like <laughs> is worth two hours of their time every week. Internet fan groups. There are communities of people that I guarantee enjoy what you enjoy and you can make friends out there. And this is where I'm going to dork out just a little bit. If you if you really are looking for that connection and that experience of sharing passion or enthusiasm or interest in a subject or a show, there are ways to do it. And I just want to make that pitch. Also. Well, and that goes to our listeners last question, which is how can I best share my own ideas of what friends should watch without being too 
pushy. First of all, go join some kind of a fan group if it's something you really want to talk about because that can just help alleviate the the desire to over-talk about it. And it'll give your friends the space to be able to explore a show and see if they're into it or not without feeling like they have to become your new best friend watching this show, you know. I also really love the idea of just coming at all of this with a supportive, positive. This is an exchanging of things that people might like. We do it all the time. We encourage our friends in sports. We encourage them in books, music, podcasts, special interest groups. We do it all the time, and they either bite or don't, and it's okay. It's just sharing in hopes that someone will find more enjoyment in life. So I think when you put that as the idea in your head rather than, oh my gosh, this person loves this, and I don't want to commit to it, and I feel pressure, and oh my goodness, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, get that person out of your brain and instead put in the, this is just just a sharing of ideas. And it's really easy to say, that's awesome for you. I'm not ready for it yet. <laughs> Primetime Predicament, thank you for bringing your predicament to the Awesome Etiquette audience. We really enjoyed this question. Yes, in little more than a wink of time, television has entered our homes, our lives, and all this has been just the beginning. Our next question is titled, If You Don't Have Anything Nice to Say, and it's a quickie from Facebook. Patricia writes, please comment on a fellow diner who, in a restaurant setting, comments negatively on what another person at the table has ordered or is eating. Thanks. Very simply, I'm going to say, I think that's pretty bad etiquette. I agree. (laughs) I, in general, like to advise people not to gossip negatively or share a lot of negative opinions about other people. I think it's particularly distracting or impactful when it's about people who you're present with in the company of. I even notice it when that person's at the next table. Mm -hmm. It's amazing how subtle our attention is. And whenever we're with other people and someone points out something negative or something someone over there is doing, I always have this feeling that they know. When two or three sets of eyes are all of a sudden tracking at them, it, it's it's so easy to read. It communicates like very mentality. quickly. It's a short question, a short answer. I think it's best to keep those negative comments to oneself if possible. I also think it can be tough to address in the moment. When oh, you're at yeah. the table with someone, it's hard to say something about it unless it's really starting to impact other people in a way that – that you feel you have to address it. Absolutely. And I think that we, we really recommend you just let people eat what they want to eat. Our little cousin Alexander has the best phrase ever for this. In kindergarten, he learned it is called, don't yuck my yum. And I love that, to put it into six-year-old terms. Don't yuck my yum. And it is really easy to put down food, to talk like a food critic, because food is such a part of our culture, especially here in America. The magazines, the TV shows, the podcasts devoted to the amazing chefs, the amazing farmers, the amazing food that we get to eat here is fascinating and wonderful. But the conversation at your own dinner table should not turn negative towards what someone is about to put in their body and try to enjoy. It's so much easier to keep it positive. Now, the challenge for me here, etiquette not being about judgment, is that it's bad etiquette for someone else to sit there and judge people. Mm -hmm. You don't want to slip into the mindset of sitting there judging that person for doing it. (laughs) And that's the challenge. That's the trick to this question. I think that you sort of say to yourself, boy, that's not great behavior. That's not something that I would want to do. So I'm even going to shut this little voice off in my own head that's being very critical of them for doing it. We all make mistakes. We're all not at our best sometimes. And hopefully that's just what's going on in this moment. Let it go and enjoy your dish. 
that's right you just never took time before to find how good food can taste doesn't it taste good our next question is titled socially workly awkward jeremy asks help I'm hosting a Christmas party at my house. This will be the fourth annual, and we usually invite friends and coworkers. Year after year, the party has grown in size due to becoming more friendly with others in my office. My dilemma is that in previous years, I wasn't inviting that many people from the office, but now it's looking like the majority of the people I work with have made the list. Unfortunately, there's a few left that either I don't know that well, or know that some others attending would be uncomfortable if they were there. I'm trying to navigate this delicately as I don't want everyone to come back to the office Monday morning chatting about the party and those who weren't invited over here and be hurt they weren't included. Am I obligated to just invite everyone from work as I am typically discreetly handing out invites at the office? Other considerations include budget as I am providing plentiful food and wine for everyone. What do you guys think? So tough. Tricky so one. tough. So 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 tough. I think the really hard part is that Jeremy knows already that some of the guests really would rather not have everyone from work there and that puts you in such a tough place. As a host it is your choice who you invite to your party. But I also think that it's really thoughtful to be aware that when you're mixing business associates with a very social event that some people might choose then not to come knowing that everyone from the office is invited or they might feel comfortable coming knowing that it's a limited invite list and i think you jeremy really get to decide which direction you want this party to go and it is okay if this party stays social i'm finding myself leaning yeah. sort of acknowledging the host prerogative towards the invite everybody interesting that if you're starting to feel that internal voice say mm-hmm. that we've reached a tipping point where it would feel exclusionary if people aren't invited mm-hmm. and the other thing i'm cluing on is that these invitations are handed out at the office mm-hmm. which starts to bring it more and more into that work world where mm-hmm. i'm thinking about including people i also noticed like you did that the complicating idea that there are some people that might be uncomfortable with other people who currently aren't being invited who are usual attendees mm-hmm. and depending on what those issues are maybe with the group getting big enough there's enough of a buffer that that's not such a big deal we oftentimes say that it's really there are certain host prerogatives and considerations and up to guests to behave well mm-hmm. that if you true. have your yeah. office beef with someone don't bring it to the holiday party and don't make that office beef the thing that means some people get invited and some people don't. Yeah. Well, and if you're worried about your behavior in front of a higher up or a certain coworker, then it's on you to change your behavior when they're around. Like your host is throwing a party. It's as Dan is saying, like the guests have to manage their, you know, desired impressions upon each other. And again, this is a lean that yeah. I'm feeling in myself from the way I read the question. Yeah. But absolutely, you get to invite who you want. I think if you were going that route, I might make an effort to do those invitations not in the office, not in front of people, having a discussion with the people that are coming about not making a big deal about the party at mm-hmm. the office. Yeah. At this point, the party for the past four years has been not everyone from the office. I would make sure I'm not handing those invitations out at the office. I think you got to get people's home addresses, send them to home, send it via text, take a picture of it and text it to them if that's easier. Like just something that's that keeps it off office turf. That's my vote. I am going to counter you, dear cuz. I am going to say, I think you got to scale this party back a bit. And it's the last line that gets me. Other considerations include budget, as I am providing plentiful food and wine for everyone. Now, you can always scale back the 
I don't want to say quality, but you can always scale back the food and wine, you know, to a level that's more manageable budget wise, even as you increase your numbers. But every now and again, you got to dial a party back. And it's okay to do it. And maybe you just start throwing a social-only party. Maybe you do a smaller, hey, guys, let's all go get drinks with the folks from work type gathering, where it's not so much that you're hosting, but you're still going out into the social world with some of these folks. But it's just a different a different way of handling it. I think you can open up the scope of what's possible when you don't get quite so attached to the party as it's been for the past four years. So my vote would be to actually scale back the number of workers that you're inviting rather than try to increase it. I think it's wonderful that you are friends with more people now at work. And I think that's really, really good. But given that there's still a handful of people that you really don't want to invite or that, you know, it would change the nature of how people feel at the party. I think that's a good clue to me to not try to open it up to everybody, because I think that will start to feel overwhelming on the relationship front and on the food and beverage front. Although I do think those are tackleable problems if you wanted to get into the inclusive territory. I want to be the voice out there saying not everybody has to come to everything. I like it. Yeah. So you you can run with either of our advice on here, Jeremy. You can feel good either way. Jeremy, I think you've got a lot of good options here. And in many ways, you're already doing the good work of being a good host. You're thinking ahead. You're thinking about both how you manage the party and how you manage your guest list. And these are A-plus, gold star, etiquette thoughts for a host. Keep it up. Good luck with the hosting. Let us know how it goes. Now, listen, this is what we have to plan. A guest list, invitations, refreshments, and entertainment. Now, a guest list. Who we ask? This is one party that just has to turn out right. All right, Dan, I'm tossing this next question in because I think it's a fun time of year to answer it with everybody kind of in retail happy mode. And I know that you in particular love the answer to this question. Uh, This question comes uh, via via Twitter from at Love Garden Sound. Hey, at Emily Post Inst, when selling someone merchandise... Is the correct response to thank you, no thank you, or you're welcome? Also, how many times can people say no, thank you to each other before it just gets awkward? One thought I have is a billion, (laughs) and the other is twice. I like twice. I'm voting for twice. (laughs) You might be able to get away with thank you. No, 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 really thank you one time. But if it gets reflected back beyond those two thank yous, I think it really starts to get awkward. But I even like to to cut it off one step sooner. Mm -hmm. I I think that there are moments when that no thank you is appropriate. I also think that even if you're selling someone something and as you hand it to them, they feel so inspired because they've just received something from you that they say thank you. And it's a, a natural instinct or impulse that someone might have from a customer service perspective. It is okay to say you're welcome. And I also would encourage people to think about from a customer service perspective, someone who's just delivered a product that you add on to that, you're welcome, I really hope you enjoy it, or you're most welcome, happy holidays, or have a great day, or come again soon, or if you would like to, 
let me or us know how you like it. Mm-hmm. That you can really build a relationship by encouraging that next action or that next engagement and you are participating well in someone's gratitude or thanks by receiving it. That Absolutely. it's not always about bouncing it back to someone. And you can also express your own gratitude while receiving gratitude. So if the customer says thank you, you could say you are welcome. It was my pleasure and thank you so much for coming in today. I really like it. I worked retail. Well done. <laughs> Love Garden Sound, we really hope this answer helps and that you have a prosperous holiday season. On the other hand, thank you is a simple way to repay those who do things for you. Thank you. This question is about no-boxed gifts. It came via Twitter. If a wedding invitation specifies no-boxed gifts, is a donation in honor of the couple cool? Legit. Asking for her friend. I love that. (laughs) So this was new to me. I had never heard no box gifts before. And Dan went and Googled it. The first thing that comes up is an article by our Aunt Peggy Post. Clearly the Emily Post Institute is aware. Clearly I am not. I was really curious because I hadn't. I wasn't familiar with the term. It's okay, not okay. something so it wasn't that, just me. It's not something we write about in our books, but it's definitely yeah. come up as a question. It's something people have done on invitations, and I was. Uh, I won't say pleasantly surprised because it wasn't surprising. But your thoughts on the question were exactly in line with what our aunt Peggy had yes. suggested something like six or seven years ago. Oh, thank goodness. Okay, so these these were my thoughts. These are the notes I put down. No boxed gifts uh, would indicate, obviously, no sort of physical present presence. Um, you're thinking things, I assume, instead like gift cards, donations to charities, cash, checks. Anything else do you think that might fall under that category? Well, in, in today's world, and things like that? I think so. Okay, okay. I would also think that you might, if transportation questions are the concern, if this is a destination wedding or the that. couple lives far away from where yeah. the wedding is happening, that you might, and this is sort of playing on the edge of the request, purchase a gift that is sent to their house okay. and then have some kind of card that mentions what it is or... At the actual wedding. Okay. Exactly. So many different interpretations of this. I would definitely say if you receive this on an invitation and aren't sure of what to do, call your host, ask what they might be looking for, what they might like. Um, you can always check out their wedding website and see what registries they have enacted or gone with. Uh, We always recommend to couples that if you are doing something like this, where you're requesting a specific type of gift for your wedding, that you have a few options that are in the traditional category just for those folks that um, might not be as comfortable giving a, you know, gift card or a donation or some people really want to give a traditional gift and it's okay to give them a little direction on that. So let me ask you yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the tough question. And then we'll get yeah, we'll get to the actual question. What's yeah. the negative perception here? Oh, that you're fishing for cash. Yeah. Um I that you know, you're dictating um generosity from someone else, you know, it's why we it's why we say have options because if you have options, it gives people choices and it doesn't feel like you're trying to funnel them to just one thing. And, you know, the the thing that I think kind of counters this is is when you really do go for just charitable donations. Nobody seems to have too much of a problem with that as long as you've got a variety of charities for people to choose from. But that's because that's going to help other folks. That's not going to the couple directly. So it doesn't have that kind of, um, yeah, anything would be great. But really, we just want this <laughs> kind of attitude behind it. What are your thoughts about this being on the invitation? 
oh, no, no, no. It, you never put, it, no, it should not go on the actual invitation. It should be an indication on the wedding website. It should be an indication maybe on a shower. If it was a shower invitation, that could be different because you do give, you know, registry information. You do focus on gifts at a shower. So that's where it's appropriate. But on the actual wedding invitation itself, no, this would not be some, a designation that you would want to use. Okay, so getting down to no boxed gifts, my guess is that if the couple has uh, let you know of a charity that a donation could be made to, that a donation would be a cool gift in that regard. Um, If they haven't indicated that, my guess is that they're probably looking for checks and gift cards, and it's up to you whether you do one or the other or cash. And it's okay, people. We know that cash is a really popular gift. In some cultures, it's a traditional gift. And here, I think you're getting a gentle nudge towards it as opposed to a cash-only please, which, believe it or not, some people have decided to use, which is not what we say is appropriate. So there really is another element to this keeping this kind of direction off the invitation. No, there is. And I'm, I'm glad you you kind of get me back into it because it's number one, it changes the focus of the invite from being just about the guest and coming to this really wonderful special event to being come to my special event. But um, just so you know, big and important is this is how I want my gifts. And it just it changes that that feeling and that sentiment and the other thing it does, which is what our uh, our Twitter uh, friend is asking about, is that it creates confusion. What am I supposed to do? What type of non-boxed gifts do you want? Um, so you really want it to be clear on that wedding website in the registry section, some different options. If you as a guest are really unsure, I, I would think that you kind of have whatever you feel comfortable at your disposal as long as it's not a boxed gift. I would follow the instructions. Instruction and if the charitable donation feels right to you, I think do that if they haven't specified. It would be nice if you could try to find a charity that they really support. I would say that a gift card or cash or check would also be really awesome options in this case to help clarify and eliminate some of that confusion. But when all they say is no box gifts and there's no registry, there's no honey fund or anything to go with, you kind of do have your options open. We encourage you to not go this route, especially not on the invitation itself. Use really clear indicators of the types of gifts you would like to receive rather than just simply stating what you don't. We hope that this helps your friend. So I've got to read this next title. Dude, you're married? Dear Lizzie and Dan, my husband has stayed in touch with a female friend from high school. We stayed with her family in the town they grew up in a few months after we got married. Then she and her mother stayed with us as they were traveling through a few months later. I would occasionally chat with her on the phone, and my husband saw her on a business trip when he visited her in her current city. As our family grew and life got busier, we dropped to exchanging Christmas cards. Apparently, she and my husband would email each other, but only every two years or so. Several years ago, she stopped sending Christmas cards. My husband and I are going to take a short Christmas trip to her city. My husband contacted her to let her know we would be in town, and she graciously said, We would love to have you stay in our guest room. I asked my husband if she had a roommate. He didn't know. He called her last night to talk about the trip and to firm up plans. During the conversation, she mentioned a man's name. My husband replied, I'm sorry, who is so-and-so? And And she told him it was her husband. 
They've been married for eight years. She told my husband that she had sent him an email, but he doesn't remember it. He thinks that around that time, he changed email addresses and probably didn't see it. We are very embarrassed by this whole situation. He wants to take her a wedding gift, but that seems awkward to me. She could have sent us an invitation or an announcement since our address was the same for the past 12 years, and she had sent us Christmas cards. I feel like we should take a very nice hostess gift and call it good. What do you recommend? What should we say about the situation when we're staying with them? Best embarrassingly misinformed. Oops. I know, right? <laughs> um, this is a great etiquette problem. Isn't and it? And it's totally understandable how this could happen. No, I, it, it, I, this happened in my own family, and I will tell the story once Dan gives some very good advice. <laughs> Well, I just want to acknowledge that emails get lost in the ether. It happens. happens. Accounts change. And that's a way that someone might touch base with a broader network of people. A wedding invitation might not have come. It might not have been a big wedding. There might You just weren't on the list. That happens. And not everyone sends wedding announcements to a broader circle of family and friends. They live in another town. They may or may not have been in the paper. You might or might not have heard. It's a little strange that it's never come up, but not everyone send Christmas cards as a couple. A lot of people just maintain their own correspondence. Or the cards just don't always have the photos of the family and the news of the year. Sometimes it's just, you know, joy and peace for the season and that's it with a pretty dove or something. But let's jump ahead to the current (laughs) moment. I am definitely in embarrassingly misinformed camp here. (laughs) I I think that eight years is a little too late for that wedding present to be called a wedding present. I do like the idea of bringing a hostess gift, a house guest gift for the couple. (laughs) And I'm going to also be curious to hear your story, but also (laughs) seed the floor and hear some sample scripts. But I was imagining some good humor. Yeah, I I think um, so too. Depending on how it comes up, uh, so good to – Meet you, but yes. with a smile. I mean, you, you do the thing of of honoring a first meeting. Sincerity is important here. Don't get too hung up on the laughability of the situation. Instead, I am so glad to meet you. We are so happy to hear this. We can't believe that email got lost. And if that moment comes up naturally in the course of conversation, I don't think it's anything that's so awkward it has to be avoided. I think that you can be comfortable with oh my goodness, isn't life amusing in the way it twists and turns. And it really is a pleasure to be spending this time with you now. Absolutely. And I'm with you. I love the idea of just getting kind of a slightly extra nice uh, house guest gift. I think that's awesome. So this um, this happened in my family. <laughs> we're, we're an East Coast family. And every year, my aunts and uncles would come home to my grandparents' house for Christmas. And my grandfather's birthday was New Year's Day. So it was a really great celebration. New Year's was always a really big deal. And the whole family would gather. Well, one year, my Uncle Jay, who was out in California called up to say that he wasn't going to make it. And this was a surprise. My parents had actually just been out to visit him in California and had spent time with him and everything seemed fine. There was no, hey, I'm not going to make it to, to Christmas this year. And so my grandmother said, what do you mean you're not coming? And my Uncle Jay said, well, the baby's due in a few weeks. 
And my grandmother says, baby, what baby are you talking about? It takes nine months to have a baby, not a few weeks. And he said, my wife, Joan, is pregnant. She's due in a few weeks. What do you mean your wife, Joan? Like Nobody had uh, had known. Nobody understood. It was totally out of the blue. My, my wonderful cousin was born. Everything was great. But it was literally that level of surprise. And what do you do? And I think I think you say, congratulations. <laughs> and you say, oh, my goodness, what exciting news. I'm so happy for you. I think those are the go-tos when I'm embracing even a surprisingly good situation. <laughs> I'm having fun or imagining news. your grandmother's reaction and response to that particular call. <laughs> it was legendary. <laughs> embarrassingly misinformed, we hope that this has helped you feel a little less embarrassed about being misinformed and that you really enjoy your visit. Do we really understand marriage? Do we understand the social aspects of marriage? Thank you so much for your questions. They really do keep the show alive. But we would love to hear your updates, your feedback, your comments. Please send all to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a message at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Or hit us up on Twitter and Facebook. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette so we know you want your question in the show. Each week, we like to hear your thoughts about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. This piece of feedback comes from Twitter. Nancy Jane wonders, in episode 167, how about this approach when Lemon Hater is ordering? Do you all usually put lemon in the water? If yes, thanks for telling me. I'd like my water without lemons, please. If no, great. No lemon. Perfect. I thought this was genius. Very was like, good I, advice. Like Nancy, Nancy Jane 13 underscore 13. This is awesome. <laughs> I thought this was super smart. It gets at the issue of the lemon. It makes the lemon something that's very aware. Lemon hater can handle this. Clarifies the communication. Win, win, win. By the way, I had so many people write in and say, like, say that they just laughed hysterically at the title lemon hater. <laughs> We also have Catherine, who called in with another perspective. Um, We had a question recently about kids making introductions on the trail. And these were um, a hiking family who their kids were uh, really gregarious and and wonderful and fun and playful on the trail. And they'll ask people, hi, how are you? My name's so-and-so. And the mom was recognizing that sometimes hikers don't seem to be so into this. And the dad was kind of loving the fact that some hikers weren't so into this. And really wanted to share Catherine's feedback because it offers a different perspective. I'm calling in response to a listener question about hiking and kids being introduced on the trail and the kids wanting to introduce themselves and how some hikers are not so excited about it and some just kind of ignore it. And I wanted to listen some feedback that while I think it's rude to completely ignore it, I think it's a little weird or it would be a little weird if random people on like adult people on a trail started introducing themselves to me as soon as they saw me. So I don't really know why all of a sudden I'd have to accept it just because a kid is doing it. I don't want to this sound mean. I appreciate it when kids are friendly, but I appreciate when Lizzie and Dan's advice for teaching them the next level of etiquette, that looking for social cues, saying hello um, is more appropriate just because I don't think it's really appropriate for anyone to just all of a sudden, it'd be weird if someone just walked up to me 
and just introduced themselves, especially while I was doing something like hiking. And I'm especially, for whatever reason, just uneasy around children. So I would, I would be very uncomfortable with that. I, I am uncomfortable when kids do that, as uncomfortable as I am when adults do that. And I don't think it's all of a sudden easier for me or more comfortable just because it happens to be a kid. <laughs> and I, I can appreciate that this sounds, um, not, not so friendly towards kids. And, you know, I appreciate that everyone is a kid once, but I just don't have a lot of experience around kids, so I'm usually a little uneasy around them, and it takes some warming up to them, especially if I don't have an introduction and I don't have any context around those kids. I think a lot of times maybe I'm just afraid about interfering with what the parent wishes for the kid. Maybe the parent has, you know, the kid's in trouble, and if I just all of a sudden start talking to a kid that is just randomly there, that kid will get in trouble or I'll get yelled at, and I just, I think um, there's more consideration that goes into it than just, oh, these people don't like kids. They're not kid people. So thank you so much for the show. Um, I love it. It was nature on my run, and I thought, why don't I go give it a call in? Thank you so much. Have a great day. Bye. Catherine, we are so grateful to hear your perspective. And I really like the thought that you put into it, that it's not just about not being comfortable around kids, but you mentioned at one point that your concern is that you might be interfering with someone's parenting. And I like the perspective for folks to be able to hear that when adults aren't always as kid-friendly, especially on a trail when you're just strangers and passing, that it often has very little to do with not liking your kid, more that it's about not being sure what's appropriate because if you're not around kids all the time sometimes you don't know kids are taught about strangers they're taught don't talk to strangers and you effectively are a stranger so i like that self-awareness of hi i'm an adult stranger usually you're warning people about me you know but I, I think all the things that we talked about in that episode remain true, that the eye contact, uh, teaching your kids those next level of social cues that first, rather than introducing yourself by name to a stranger, just say hi and acknowledge their presence and that that's a, that's a good first step, especially on the trail where people might be trying to have their own meditative moments, really get away from other people. I just thought this was an interesting and different perspective, and I appreciate that you stopped your run to call the show and then talk about it. As a new parent, I will also add my voice here saying that I I like this idea of teaching kids to be watching the adults around them and that it's it's an important early courtesy to start to cultivate that you pay attention to the wants and needs of the grown-ups in your world, that it's not all about you and your wishes and desires and excitement and enthusiasm for what it is you're doing. Thank you for sharing. I loved the perspective, too, of like adults don't just walk up to each other on the trail and say, hi, I'm so and so. And it's it's true. Often you you have like a little moment that's more like, oh, really hot and buggy here, isn't it? Or, oh, doesn't the stream just feel so cool? Like it's almost like you have very soft social touches here. They're not direct interactions. It makes it a rich learning environment. Thank you for sharing your perspective. And thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please keep them coming. You can send your comment or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a message at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. It's time for our Postscript segment where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette. And today's Postscript is 
all about the holidays. We have a lot of ground to cover, so we're just going to sandwich a couple very classic holiday etiquettes in here. Because thank you so much for just running with this. I was like, which do we talk about? And then I was like, we just need to give them everything before the holidays hit. So, regifting. Regifting. Oh, it's so tempting. And how many questions have we had on the show about regifting being hurtful or being like just not fun or catching someone in the act of regifting? And before we give the etiquette advice, I think it's important to acknowledge this was a the, the example that I use for an internal debate within the Post family. <laughs> we we talked early on about this show being about p- pulling the curtains back on the the workings, the internal workings at the Emily Post Institute. And there was a family discussion in the generation that preceded Lizzie and me. And there was a, 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 a real working out of what would be reasonable advice to give about the topic of regifting. I think particularly after a certain Seinfeld episode hit, and the question became very relevant um, uh, in in the media environment that we were all living in at the time. Lizzie Post, please take us away. Okay, regifting, regifting. It has a lot of negatives to think about. People can have really hurt feelings. People are spending their money, their time, their effort on you, and you take that gift and just give it right away. Um, it is not paying it forward. It is different, and you have to be really, really careful with it. So we generally think that regifting is not a good idea, but we have four ways in which you can regift, and we think if you check all these four boxes that you're probably going to have a successful regift, and then we have one way that's really the way to regift. All right, so our four, ready? Number one, you have to really think they would like this gift. It's my favorite part of the advice. I know. It's not ugly sweater like exchange moment. It's not, oh my gosh, who wants a candle that's scented like that? I'm going to get rid of this thing. It's not clean out the closet. It's not clean out the closet. It is, oh my gosh, this would be so perfect for so-and-so. I am really not enjoying it, using it, going to keep it around for very long. This would have such a better home with my sister, cousin, uncle, aunt, friend. Number one, you have to believe genuinely that the other person would like the gift. Number two. Still in original packaging. We live in an age of almost disposable consumer (laughs) goods, mass manufacturing and production. And sometimes that second or third blender can find a new home, but it's not about the blender that you're replacing that's sitting on your countertop, (laughs) that original packaging is an important part of re-gifting. Number three is that it cannot be something homemade, monogrammed, or insanely unique. I had a friend who was gifted an octopus planter. If that octopus planter showed up in any of our other friends' houses, it would have been really noticeable. I, I mean, the obvious ones are the handcrafted goods, yep. the monogrammed or yep. customized, personalized gifts. Show, the monogrammed ones. Oh, my goodness. Can I add to this? Remove tags. Do not, like, put this in the same bag you received it in. That was how one awesome etiquette listener busted her cousin on giving her a gift that was regifted. But I like that even insanely unique also. Something yeah. that was a uh, someone got it when they traveled somewhere for you. And and th- there are other ways that gifts become really personal mm-hmm. that aren't always just about whether or not they've been personalized. Absolutely. Dan, what's our fourth rule? So the fourth rule is I think the the overarching umbrella rule, <laughs> which is that that you don't think it's going to hurt anybody. Yeah. That nobody involved would be offended or hurt if the truth were to come out, if it were discovered, if there was a, a card in the box that you hadn't noticed or if they 
the two people knew each other and they somehow figured it out. <laughs> and I don't even like to say figured it out because I, I think know. if regifting is done well, it's something that you can be honest about and own with all the parties involved. Okay, so that brings us to how to really regift well. And the best way to regift well is to be honest about it and to say, this is something I had or this is something that was given to me and I have an extra of it and I really wanted to pass it on to you because I thought you would enjoy it. This is what you do when you receive two copies of Emily Post's Etiquette 19th edition because it is the most popular gift this holiday season and you just don't know what to do with that spare copy. And after being sure it wasn't a signed original <laughs> that someone made an effort to get personalized, Bingo. customized for you, you're going to check that title page and absolutely share it with that niece, nephew, friend, cousin, friend, cousin aunt, uncle, mother, Grandma. father, who you know would love it and would appreciate it as part of their family library. Absolutely. So there you have it. Those are the, the post-family thoughts on re-gifting. Practicality is the heart of good etiquette. Yes. Sometimes these things will happen, but there are ways to do them well. All manners. Our next topic is about thank you notes for the holiday. We're thinking ahead. We We're are. starting to think about receiving gifts well. And one of the reasons regifting is tricky is that people don't feel a gift was received well. And one of the ways that you can show someone that you have received a gift well is to thank them appropriately. With a thank you note, we want to remind everyone that unless you are – in that moment where you are teaching your kids about thank you notes or you are personally trying to practice handwritten thank you notes and, and make that more of a habit in your own life, that if you open a gift in person with the giver present, that you are able to thank them sufficiently in person, you do not need to write a thank you note. So unless you guys are practicing in your family to try to really get kids on board with this, um, if you open a gift in person with someone, you do not need to send a follow-up note unless you really want to. Here are some tips for those thank you notes that you need to send for all those wonderful gifts you receive and open without the giver present. Number one, try to get them out before mid-January. We always try to go for before the next holiday, which would be Valentine's Day. Um, well, actually, the next holiday would be New Year's, kind of depending on, on when your gift giving um, happens during the month of December. But I would say that um, that generally but by mid-January, you really want to have those notes wrapped up and sent out to folks. It's going to make them feel more relevant. It's going to be easier to get them out if you keep it simple. Three to five sentences. It doesn't need to be a long exposition. Mention something personal about the gift. Express your thanks. Some sort of forward-thinking future thought is often nice. And then with a nice greeting and a nice closing, that is all you need for a good thank you note. Absolutely. And remember that this is a great opportunity to help kids. Younger kids can decorate cards. You know, you can actually write the note to your to your friend or your family member who sent your children something. But have the kids, you know, put their stamps on it, their stickers on it, their scribbles on it. I love the thank you notes I get from my goddaughter that just have crayon all over them, all through the writing and everything. I know that she took a moment to be there with her mom and, and get that note out to me. And it is so nice. It's a great opportunity to help older kids sit down with the actual item, um, get them to think about what it is that they like about it. If they're not yet at handwriting stage, they can tell you what it is that they like about it, and you can write the card for them. Dan, you've got a teeny tiny one celebrating her very first Christmas, and obviously she can't even hold a crayon to scribble, but thank you notes from Anisha? 
uh, mom and dad are going to be <laughs> representing her well on her behalf. They nice. will go out. Nice, nice, nice. It's going to be easier to do that because we're also doing the thing that we've been saying and wishing and hoping we would do for years. We're compiling our list. And it's going to start off as our holiday card list. It's going to go out beforehand. But it's also going to serve really well because it's going to enable us to track who gave what and get back to them after the season is over. One listener wrote us last year to ask a question about thank you notes and practicality. And what I loved was that after the holiday season, she was able to write us and say, this worked really well. And the idea was that if your family is sending a number of notes to another family, is it okay to put them all in one envelope? And we thought, well, there's etiquette that says you send things to people individually, but they're all going to the same house. And maybe you'd save on postage. Maybe you wouldn't because postage goes by weight sometimes. We went through all kinds of ideas. But what I loved was that the follow-up was, this worked wonderfully. The family said it was so cool to receive a big manila envelope with all their thank you cards in it, spill them out on the table, dole them out. So we thought that this sounds like a great idea if it works from a practical standpoint for you. And finally, you do not have to send a thank you note for a holiday card. You do have to send it if someone sent you a card that has a check or a gift card or something in it. But for just a holiday card exchange, you do not have to send a thank you note for receiving a holiday card. Those are our thank you note tips for 2017. We hope that you make your lists, you help your kids decorate your cards, and that you help out our wonderful mail system and send those thank you notes. We like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world, and that can come in so many forms. Today, we have two salutes. Take us away. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I hope you are both well. In light of recent events along the Texas coast, I want to submit a heartfelt etiquette salute to all those that have come together to serve those who were displaced, suffering, and lost everything during the Harvey disaster. While it was absolutely devastating to millions of people, it has also been so uplifting to see everyone support each other regardless of class, race, religion, sexual orientation, or political party. There are countless stories of people helping total strangers get to safety and shelter. This is what happens when we, as humans, band together. We make each other stronger. It makes me proud to be a Houstonian, makes me proud to be a Texan, makes me proud to be an American. All my best, Alice May Flother. Our next salute begins. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I recently discovered your podcast, and I love it. I want to salute the people of Florida. Tensions are running high in the state right now because we are preparing for Hurricane Irma. Stressful situations often bring out the worst in people, but I have seen the best in people this week. Two nights ago, I left my three children with my husband and went to pick up a few things from the grocery store. It wasn't raining when I went in, but it was pouring when I came out and I didn't have an umbrella. I decided to hurry to my car instead of waiting out the storm. Halfway to my car, one of the grocery sacks broke and everything inside fell to the wet ground. A very nice man ran out from the covering by the store's door to help me pick up the items that fell. Since my arms were full of other groceries, he carried them all the way to the trunk of my car and got soaking wet in the process. He didn't need to help, but I was so grateful that he did. I don't even know his name, but I thanked him as well as I could, and he ran back inside the store. I have seen many similar examples of 
kindness this week. It's nice to see people working together to help and serve others. It has touched my heart as so many of my friends and relatives have reached out to ask how my family is doing and tell us that we are in their thoughts and prayers. I feel better knowing that so many people are pulling for us. We are prepared for the worst and hoping for the best. Thank you for all you do to encourage consideration, respect, and honesty. Sincerely grateful, Andrea. Andrea and Alice, thank you for these incredible examples of consideration, respect, and honesty. It is really nice to hear. And thank you for listening. Thank you to everyone who sent us something. You can send us questions, feedback, and salutes by email to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Or leave us a message at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, I'm at Lizzie A. Post. And I'm at Daniel underscore Post. On Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. You can help us out. Become a sustaining member by visiting awesomeetiquette.emilypost.com or subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. Our show is edited by Chris Albertine. Thank you, Chris. Chris. Friendliness is one of the main parts of courtesy. Courtesy. 